what they did was charge these people with gun offences but talked about terrorism suppression act which we thought was totally unfair because i have two responses the first is some concern expressed by all legal counsel that they were not contacted or informed by the police or any other authorities that matters were being referred to the the government has no control over a police operation police have statutory independence that's absolutely clear in the police act they have not been directed to act as they did they could not lawfully be directed to act as they did they've used their own judgment Ten years ago, on Monday, October the 15th, 2007, 300 Armed Defender Squad officers carried out a series of raids at 41 locations in New Zealand. Police investigations carried out over a year alleged that military activities were taking place in the Teruera Ranges. Operation 8 was soon dubbed the Tuhoi Raids. Four of the 41 locations were in the Tuhoi Valley in the eastern Bay of Plenty. During the operation, police set up roadblocks in Ruatoki and Taniatua. They stopped cars, questioned the people inside and took photos. During the house raids, families told of how they were detained at their homes for nine hours without food or water. I felt for all hapu, uh, whanau, uh, that had to uh, tolerate that, that behaviour from the New Zealand police force. Uh, some of the young children that were caught up in the raids, my uh, brother's uh, young family, they were um, they saw the guys in the masks and they saw the, the guns, they saw their grandfather and their father getting dragged out of the home uh, early hours of, uh, of the morning. I think for all of New Zealand it was a complete shock um, as to what had um, transpired and disbelief. Uh, that uh, the accusations of terror cells operating within New Zealand, it was believed by some politicians on the basis of um, the police commissioner putting forward uh, what he saw as reliable intelligence. Well, look, I think there was uh, a lot of distress caused by the impact that it had on, on that community. I think the key thing for me was um, if we had to look back at that time, um, could we have made better use of uh, the networks? Did we make better use of the uh, liaison officers? And could we, could we have supported the community in a much more uh, positive way? In this week's edition of Tiahika, we visit Taniatua to talk to some of the locals. Chair of Te Uru Taumatua, Tamati Kruger, Tuhui activist Tameti, artist Ati Tepa, and Assistant Commissioner Wallace Homaha, who share their thoughts about the impact of the Tuhui raids a decade on, how they've moved forward, and what remains unresolved. I'm Justine Murray, and this is Tiahika on RNZ National.
Te Kurafare was certified as a living building in May this year. It means that it has passed the strict conditions that make it an environmentally friendly structure. It's the hub of Te Uru Taumatua, the Tūhoi Tribal Authority, which is where I met Tūhoi activist Tame Eti, who was, 10 years ago, at the centre of the Tūhoi raids. Tame was sentenced to two years jail for possession of firearms and firearms offences. He spent nine months in jail and was released in 2013. Today, he says he's moved on. Honestly, I don't really want to go back to that. And I don't want to justify and explain myself. Very simple. Maybe not only you let go of something. It happens. We've done that. The police come to that. We've done that. We talked about it. We had a long conversation about it. So we've done that. You know, I do get tired of the same reporter coming with the same old, same old, same old, same old. I don't need to answer some of those questions. We don't think about it. Of the 17 arrested, only four were convicted of firearms charges. They are seeking a pardon from these convictions. Tamiti, however, has the future in his sights and a few new ventures in mind. Just this week, he spent time in Indonesia with Māori Party candidate Witex Pang, exploring business opportunities. I'm just going to go around and, and go on my walk over there and have a look at it, Pakarono and uh, see where we can go from there. Uh, we, we, the Tanipa, are already in, in uh, conversation to support other initiatives or small business with uh, other people that I know. Uh, there's a few ideas I want to talk about that now because they need to go back to the people. What we're going to do from a tribal point of view and whānau point of view is to look at the potential what we got here, what we already have here. We're sitting on a gold mine. The Uruwera is the gold mine. And part of that collaboration includes the honey business. I'm working in, I'm going, I join up in an association of small business people like myself, but they're not small. You know, we, we meet in, we're part of the 30 million association. Today is kanohi te kanohi, tanata ki te tanata. Chair of Te Uru Taumatua, Tamati Kruger, says that over the past 10 years, the way forward has been largely left to their own devices. Reconciliation and repairing and fixing relationships was something that was left for Tuhue to do. Tuhue were not asked to do that. Uh, Tuhue saw that it had to do it. Um, but the Crown, the police... Uh, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not viewing that as something that they had to do. They, just, they were just prepared to leave it there. Yeah. So that's what we did. And I think it's important uh, for the listeners to understand that when you can deal with your own issues, you have mana motuhaku. You use your own traditions and customs to do that. Um, so here we are talking 10 years after that episode and that reconciliation is sustainable and reliable uh, between ourselves and the police. But for artist Ati Tepa, whose own home and family home was raided, he can still sense the emotional trauma in his whānau. I think there's still uh, issues for those uh, young tamariki and it wasn't just my brother's Tamariki, there were children in other homes, uh, young cousins, young nephew, nieces, you know, people that were stopped on the road. You know, those, those, young, those young kids, I think, you know, they, they don't really get what a, 
uh, an apology from uh, the police is the you know h- how do they uh, get over those kind of emotional and uh, uh, trauma of of, of those uh, shocking encounters with the police. We'll hear from Tamati Kruger and artist Ati Tepa later on. Brian Takurua of Ngāti Kaura is the vice chair of the Komiti Oruna Tribal, that's the Ruatoki-based tribal authority. On the day of the raids, he wasn't in the valley at the time, but from his perspective, he has moved on since the police apology to Tūhoi in 2014. I felt for all hapū, uh, whānau, uh, that had to uh, tolerate that, that behaviour from the New Zealand police force. Uh, if I could um, just delve into it uh, more so uh, from the children's point of view, uh, Watatau Tamariki, who had to endure um, searches and being disturbed in their uh, normal livelihood um, at that time. So with great disappointment, uh, felt also along the lines of my own hapu, uh, Fafano, who weren't residing there at the time. Um, since then, uh, we, I have been present at the uh, police delegation that turned up to Te Mahure Hure Marae to give apology to, to the iwi, to the uh, population of, of Ruatoki. Personally, sitting here, I'm, I'm over that. I've accepted uh, Mike Bush's uh, apology um, on behalf of uh, the raids that uh, happened here 10 years ago. Some of the local Tuhoi school kids actually uh, went down to Wellington as part of a school trip. I think it was largely organised by the Wellington police. They got to ride in cars with the siren on, all that sort of thing. So as an individual, do you think that has somewhat helped? Yes, it's been a, um, a, a massive uh, move forward, um, relying on our taiohi to turn up there um, and be guests of the New Zealand police in, in, in Wellington. My, my general assumption of the, um, the outcome of that trip uh, was uh, very beneficial and I think we're seeing the, the fruits of that, um, that visit uh, being conducted and, and portrayed throughout what I've noticed from the uh, youngsters here in the valley. When it comes to the Tuhoi raids, do you see it as a, an, yet another blip on the history of the Tuhoi people? How do you view it today? Ten years on... Uh, Post-settlement, I think, um, I'm speaking for myself, I'm over it. Uh, We had the pardon here um, from Minister Finlayson uh, for the pardon of of wrongdoings to Tūhoi. In August 2014, the Minister of Treaty Settlements, Chris Finlayson, apologised to Tūhoi for the raupatsu, or land confiscations, and warfare, inflicted upon the Tuhoi people. We've moved on. Um, thanks uh, so much to our negotiating team, Kirsty Luke, uh, Tamati. We got over the fence and we've achieved uh, what we've wanted to achieve and we can see now see the, uh, the fruits of that um, achievement and the benefits of their hard work from Tamati and Kirsty in sitting down with the Crown to get back what we have now, currently, post-settlement. The infrastructure, if I could just delve on it, uh, in Tūhoe, it's made up of Waikare Moana, Ruatahuna, Ruatoki and Waimana. 
So each each one of those rohes uh, have a have a, a little council. We have two delegates from each hapu and who get to meet the first Thursday of every month, where we sit down and talk on issues pertaining to the valley. Kia ora, Vice Chairman of Te Komiti Oruna, Brian Takurua. In 2013, the Independent Police Conduct Authority released its report into the findings of Operation 8. At the time, the chair of the IPCA, Sir David Crothers, said, and I quote, that the roadblocks established by police at Ruatoki and Taniatua were unlawful, unjustified, and unreasonable. The authority concluded that personal searches conducted by police on a number of occupants was unlawful. Deputy Chief Executive Māori and Assistant Commissioner Wallace Homaha has overseen the exercise of repairing the relationship between Tuhoi and the police. Well, look, I think there was uh, a lot of distress caused by the impact that it had on, on that community. Um, and uh, I think the key thing for, for, for me was um, if we had to look back at that time, um, could we have made better use of... Uh, the networks that we as liaison officers, and of course this 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 came through the uh, IPCA report as well. That did we make better use of the uh, liaison officers, and could we could we have supported the community in a much more uh, positive way? Uh, and again, the message for me at that time was not about what we do, but about how we do it. And, if, and it was also the key message that was provided by Māori leaders, whom I talked to at the time. So the police apology in 2014, was it about mending relationships? Well, look, the, the commissioner was genuine in terms of his approach to Tuhoi people. And uh, at, at that time, Commissioner Mike, uh, well, in 2014, Commissioner Mike Bush accepted the fact that uh, Tuhoi, there was distress caused to innocent bystanders in the Ruatoki community who were caught up in the, uh, in the search warrants. There was also... Um, the issues around the loss of police credit, credibility amongst Tuhoi people. And, of course, there was subsequent uh, media stigma, stigmatisation because of the event that happened in the Tuhoi uh, area in the Uruwiras. So uh, we worked hard from 2007, and, and just remembering that from the 16th of October 2007, we undertook a rigorous programme of trying to restore the confidence and the trust and rebuilding of the relationship between Tuhoi and the police. And it was important to us, as not only as Māori police officers, but as for the organisation overall. I was watching, you know, in, in the lead-up to this interview with you, I was just going back to old sort of footage, and at the police apology in 2014, one of the kaumātua during his whaikōrero said, you know, um, you're not the person that we want to speak to in regards to Commissioner um, Howard Broad that didn't turn up to the apology. You know, how, how did you feel at that time, uh, Wallace, about him not being there? Well, look, you know, could I say that um, Commissioner Howard Broad at that time uh, would have been under immense pressure. And I know following the, um, the execution of those warrants in the area, uh, he was very upset. Uh, about the way that the operation had um, had played out. And he had not, and I know for a fact that his intention wasn't wasn't to inflict harm or hurt or humiliation on the wider Ruatuki community. 
it was to exercise a, a, a series of warrants that were looking at, at, I think, in total four people at the time. Um, but the impact of the operation uh, went, went much wider than that. And, of course, uh, he did feel uh, the pain of all of that. And, uh, and, and as you can imagine, uh, he wanted to go back to Tuhoi. Uh, and apologise to Tuhoi people for for the wider impact around the community. There are there are families and children. Some of you know some of them were young at the time, and now they're teenagers who were, you know, pretty traumatised by the Tuhoi raids. I guess in a sense, some of them must have there must be a sense of uh, mistrust against the police now. What do you say to them in their in their far Well, we visited a lot of those families uh, prior to the apology um, in 2014. Uh, we we went uh, to a lot of the the homes of those people that had been affected, and uh, we sat in their their uh, their household in their living rooms, and were welcomed in. And the opportunity for even the young people to vent their anger, um, their concerns, their their issues about where where does this leave us for policing in this country, uh, and ensuring that our our communities. Uh, are entitled to the same protection as any other community. And it was a very difficult process to sit, sit inside of and hear the stories that some of these young people had told about um, the issues that they were confronted with on that morning. But the Commissioner did also, um, Commissioner Mike Bush, listened to those stories and he apologised personally to them in their households before we even went to Rewa Rewa Marae. Artist Ati Tepa lives and works in Wellington. Back in 2007, he lived in Taupo. On the morning of October the 15th, his home was raided and his father, who has since passed away, along with his brother, were forcibly dragged from their home in the valley by armed police. The police apology and actions to repair the relationships over time hasn't done much to change Ati's opinion of what happened. He shares his story. Uh, the raids was terrible as it was at the time. I, I can reflect on 10 years ago, uh, I, I was actually driving around uh, Topol. I was working for a uh, health organisation for Sport Waikato at the time, and I was just between uh, going to visit the people I, w- I was working for in the community, and my auntie called me out of the blue to say, oh, this helicopter's floating above, and I think your brother and your dad's been arrested. And I'm like, what the hell? Uh, I was away... Um, for work in Naru Awahia uh, that, that, that morning. So uh, my partner at the time and our uh, young baby and also her family, her mum and dad and uh, her uh, young son. Um, and also we had Manuhiri from visiting from uh, Sweden, I think, at the time, all caught up in it. So I went home and kind of looked at the news, but the news was really patchy and it looked like something big was happening in, uh, in Tuhui. Um, so from that moment on, it kind of set these funny wheels in motion. And I, I suppose as an activist at the time, as an activist anyway, I just felt really unsafe to even do things like call my friends on the phone, to email them, to uh, Facebook message them. I felt that, uh, that the state surveillance was so heavy on us at the time that I, I was fearful of uh, contacting other people, lest I um, get them into trouble as well, which was which, which was quite a... Um, uh, disempowering uh, uh, sensations I have at the time. I was really um, silly enough and thought I'd better go and hand myself into the cops and I was in Nara Wahi and the local cop didn't even know what to do. So I had to call my lawyer 
And she's like, what the hell are you doing handing yourself in? So I just walked back to the marae and uh, uh, again, that was partly because I didn't want to uh, uh, bring the heat to uh, Tūranga Waiwa where I was at the time. Um, you know, I was fearful of being, uh, you know, the cops making a scene at some other marae and uh, the cop called me and he, he uh, guaranteed me that they dare not um, come and do anything while I was at, uh, at a marae. That wasn't my own. Um, but um, but again, on reflection, as disempowering as it was, I think uh, the people that rallied around, um, uh, all the solidarity networks that we built, uh, were sometimes complete strangers, sometimes we were reinforcing uh, previous uh, relationships that we built, uh, my rānau. Uh, I just saw a whole lot of people coming to rally around uh, something that was actually bigger than Te Uru Wera. Um, You know, there were people arrested in Wellington here, uh, Tāmaki, Taranaki, um, te Papa Ioia, uh, all, all, all over. Um, so to see such a strong network of uh, solidarity build up um, for such a terrible uh, uh, kaupapa, um, is it was actually quite heartening. You know, the, the ideals of uh, Te Mana Mutehake o Tuhui, um, these aspirations that uh, not only I have for uh, my own personal um, Whānau's future, but, you know, as the future for Tūhoi and, you know, potentially influencing uh, positive change for other Indigenous peoples around the world. So, Ati, does it feel like it's been a long time ago, or does it feel like it happened yesterday? Oh, just talking about my, uh, actually, my, uh, my, uh, you know, I feel all emotional, I feel a bit angry still, I feel uh, sad, you know, there are good people that passed away. Uh, since the raids, like uh, Tuhu Lambert, my Fanonga, uh, you know, my dad passed away. Yeah, ten years. I, I, I think there's still lots of unresolved issues around the raids, uh, uh, particularly to um, uh, some of the young children that were caught up in the raids. My uh, brother's uh, young family. They were. Um, they saw the guys in the masks, and they saw the the guns. They saw their grandfather and their father getting dragged out of the home. Uh, Early hours of uh, of the morning, in the dark, so that would have been terrifying. So, I think there's still uh, issues for those uh, young tamariki, and it wasn't just my brother's tamariki. There were children in other homes, uh, young cousins, young nephew nieces, you know, people that were stopped on the road. You know, there's those, those young those young kids. I think you know they they don't really get what a uh, an apology from uh, the police is. The, you know, how do they uh, get over those kind of emotional and uh, uh, trauma of, of, of those uh, shocking encounters with the police. Do you think there's a sense that they are still um, hurting? So I think and I think there's a whole lot of, um, uh, I mean, it's been a long time, even before the raids, there was a whole lot of mistrust, with, not just within Tuhoi communities, but I think just in Māori communities in general. There's always been a mistrust of, uh, of the police and uh, the, the agents of the state. And I think um, that experience probably just kind of cements it for a new generation of kids to have fear and uh, mistrust towards uh, what should be our uh, friends. The police should be there to um, do their job. Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose, yeah, there's a bit of mistrust. I mean, the, the police, and, you know, I give them some credit. They, they've um, made an offer of apology and they took a, a bunch of our young tamariki down here to uh, Pūneke, to the police co- uh, college, as a, uh, as, a as, as a means of reconciliation process with uh, with young Tamariki, and you know that, that that that's a good thing. But you know, I think um, 
I'm quite cynical. I'm, I'm thinking, why, why did they have to take them to a, a, a police co- college? They could have taken them uh, to a museum, to a library. They could have done some other uh, ways of healing rather than taking them to uh, the academy that trains uh, police. In terms of that police apology in 2014, yeah, has there been a sense of um, reconciliation for, for you personally? Alfano, uh, we, we chose... Uh, uh, to not participate in that um, process. Um, a, we didn't want them to come to our father's home. Yeah, we didn't want them to come to the home. Uh, we didn't want to uh, meet with them. We didn't want to be part of what I, I, I cynically see as a, uh, a public relations exercise where they were coming cap in hand to uh, uh, seek forgiveness from Tuhoi. But I don't know if, why they needed to call the media um, I don't know why they had to make such a big song and dance out of something that could have been quite a private affair. So we, we chose, um, um, for one of the reasons we chose to not be a part of that was because we didn't want to be a part of this public relations exercise of the police. When looking back on the past decade since the raids, two Hui have undergone transformation. They signed their $170 million treaty settlement in 2013. Te Kura Whare, the living building, was officially opened in 2014. And what was formerly known as Te Uruwera National Park ceased to operate as such under the Te Uruwera Act 2014. Management of the area rests with the Te Uruwera Board, made up of members of the two Hui Iwi and three Crown appointees. Chair of Te Urutaumatua Tamati Kruger reflects on the past decade. He is adamant that moving forward for Tu Hui was and is about Manamotuhake, or self-governance in motion. When you claim to have Manamotuhake, that you can resolve your own issues and bring some some reliable, permanent conclusion so there are no ghosts hanging around. We did things that the New Zealand justice system could not do. What the, the court system in New Zealand did uh, was vilify and criminalise uh, people. And they were out to seek uh, guilty parties and that's all the system can do. It does not resolve relationships. It, the court system does not do love, peace and harmony. It criminalises. So it falls short of the mark. So reconciliation and repairing and fixing relationships was something that was left for Tuhue to do. Tuhue were not asked to do that. Uh, Tuhue saw that it had to do it. Um, but the Crown, the police, uh, were, were, not, uh, were not viewing that as something that they had to do. They, just, they were just prepared to leave it there. Yeah. So that's what we did. And I think it's important uh, for the listeners to understand that when you can deal with your own issues, you have manamotuhaku. You use your own traditions and customs to do that. Um, so here we are talking 10 years after that episode yeah. and that uh, reconciliation is sustainable and reliable uh, between ourselves and the police.
So would you say that there's a sense of, of, of healing now? Uh, is that the right word to use, Tamatim? You mean for the, uh, particularly for the raids? Or yes, for, particularly for the, the raids. Uh, One of the queers I interviewed this morning said, you know, <coughs> komutsu, quite yeah. 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 And, and, and I think once people say that, that's evidence and proof that you are in charge of your own destiny. Mm. You, you haven't gone... Uh, to some liaison relationship group to do it for you. You've taken the matter into your own hands. Uh, you've directed it. You have resourced it, and you've come to a conclusion yourself, and so you're happy with it. But I think if if you are dependent on somebody else to solve your issues, your problems, I, 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 think, I think there's a bit of a falsity around that. You would probably never be fully satisfied. It's, it's a bit like the difference between you growing your own kai yeah. and, or buying it off somebody else. You're growing your own kai and eating your own kai is sweeter and more satisfying than where you purchase it off somebody else. You know, that's the difference. So we resolved our Control own issues. Into your own yeah, it's, well, it's our conclusion. It's not somebody else's conclusion. Uh, we're, we're in charge of that. So we can say with utmost honesty, it's, it's done. And I think the healing part, um, uh, th- there are preconditions to healing, uh, in my view. Wh- one is when something goes wrong, mm. There has to be an admittance that something is wrong. And then the second thing is there must be a process by which that that error or that wrong uh, is explicitly described and that there is some type of apology, eh? because an apology is just a recognition of the error, and then a commitment uh, by all parties uh, to help each other avert a reoccurrence of that. Now, there's no guarantees, but the experience gives you some hope that you can deal with those issues yourself. Yeah, so there's an admittance that something is wrong, and then there is the capacity uh, to apologise and to forgive. You cannot forgive without having going through those two things first. I think those tikana that Māori have around rongo mau, maunga rongo tatau pounamu and all of those things, um, are, I think are the grand prize mm. of when, you, when you've done something right. And in fact, I think uh, the whole kawao te marae is, is the most magnificent process that I know of in uh, in conciliation and in dealing with with issues, um, but uh, most Māori just see it as a process of what you do on the marae. But once you study it closely, it is the exposure of intellect, emotion, spiritualness, and and physical proximity. In, in really reconciling differences. That's what the whole Kawata Marae thing is about. I, I think moving on uh, is the greatest challenge because as each iwi settled their treaty claims with the Crown, immediately after that point you start fighting yourself. Uh, each iwi fights, them, fights themselves because there are some iwi members that are not prepared to move on. They they have fallen in love with fighting and they need an enemy and when you make peace with the crown well who's the new enemy well it has to be yourself 
and so you start fighting yourself and some of us uh, uh, continue to do that for generations others do it for a little while uh, because it's resetting yourself isn't it you you when you fight yourself you are confronting the dishonesty sometimes that you feel you haven't been affected by 170 years of colonization but you have uh, you confront the view that uh, gee you're more parkier than you thought you were and you've lost more than your land uh, you've lost your reo your tikana your beliefs etc and that's pretty hard to confront yeah. and to accept and how do you repatriate that uh, for some maybe you can't you know so there are all of that stuff to move on with mm. Mm. Kia ora, chair of the Urutaumatsua Tamati Kruger We end this week's show with the words of Ngāti Kaura Kuia Turia Tihi who was working at Te Kohangareo o Taniatua at the time of the raids. Here, in her native language, Te Reo Māori, she says moving forward is simply about the elders supporting the youth of Tūhoi. Ko mi miti haere ngā kaumātua o Ruatoki, kai te pai a Ruatāhuna, kai te mahinui rātau ngā kaumātua o Ruatoki. O mātau wāhua mi miti haere ngā kaumātua, ko kore tau mai hiweta o ngā hui, Taku mohi o nei nana E mahi nga mahi Kaua hoki whakamuri Kaua tau nga kaumasa Kaan hoiri nga Kare pēnā nga imua Me e anga whakamua Tātau i tēnei wā Ngāti koura kuia Turia tihi Kua e a te kaupapa o te ahikamo tēnei wā, anō nei te mihi ki ngā kai kōrero katoa i tākoha mai o koutou kōrero. Kia ora.